welcome to another episode of the Get Back Coach, presented by Apollo Media. A ton to get into. Uh, the regular season of college football has come to an end. And what better way to start than some of the big news over the weekend? Mike Elko is returning to College Station to be the head coach of the Texas A&M Fighting Ags. Jay, you are a Texas A&M man. What are your initial thoughts on Mike Elko? Which most people that have been paying attention pretty much know your thoughts, but (laughs) please reiterate your thoughts to everybody. Yeah, uh, very convoluted process to get there. uh, That was honestly kind of embarrassing. Uh, But in the end, they made the right hire, or at least one of the right hires, in my opinion. Uh, I always thought Mike Elko was a great choice for head coach here. Uh, Big thing is, is trying to keep guys out of the portal. And with the fact that Mike Elko is just two years removed from being defense coordinator at Texas A&M, he was involved in a lot of recruiting cycles uh, for the guys on the team. So I think he'll be an asset as far as keeping the current class together and then also keeping guys out of the portal. Uh, The second part of that is I think he's a great coach. I think defensively, like what he did as a defensive coordinator – was was fantastic and, and encouraging, and A&M has gone the offensive coordinator route the last four hires, uh, or at least the offensive-minded coach for the last four hires. I mean, you have to go all the way back to R.C. Slocum to find a guy that was a defensive-minded head coach for A&M. And uh, obviously, you want to do some things differently from the last hire with Jimbo, and and it may seem a little bit weird because Elko was a member of Jimbo's staff, but, but it does seem like there's different approaches. Uh, <laughs> obviously... He didn't get the huge thunderous welcome that the Jimbo got at the airport. Uh, instead, flying in at 3 a.m., uh, landing in, in College Station in the dead of night. Uh, it was a little bit different. But then also, like, what Mike Elko did immediately at Duke. I don't want to downplay that. The fact that he was able to take a Duke team that, you know, struggled mightily uh, before he arrived there and, and immediately took them to a 9-4 and record. And... Uh, that That is a very impressive turnaround in a short time, uh, especially for a program like Duke. I think uh, the injury bug bit him quite a bit this year, right? Like, And th- that's the big thing with coming to A&M. Uh, I talked about it on Aggie Warpod with, with Mike Craven. Uh, at Duke, he has a very strong first 35. But the next 35 up may not be as strong on the roster as far as depth goes at A&M, you're going to have more depth. I think you're going to be able to recruit guys uh, for depth a little bit better than you would at Duke. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the hire again. I, I'm a little bit disappointed with how it played out and, and some of the saga there. Uh, but, but I do think that at the end of the day, A&M made a correct decision and who they elected to replace Jimbo Fisher with. Yeah. And, and Jay, I, I know the big question here is Mike Elko was only at Duke for two years. Um, and you and I both have said a tremendous job. How, what would you tell um, A&M fans that are a little, that might be a little skeptical? I mean, I know Mike Elko is a name that Texas A&M fans know, defensive coordinator, uh, seems like he's uh, well-loved there. What do you tell the Texas A&M fans that, are a little skeptical of, hey, this guy was only at Duke for two years. How is he going to handle being at be, running a program like Texas A&M? 
Yeah, well, he's seen it from the inside, right? Uh, I think that's the big part is is that he's been in a program like A and M. Uh, before he was a defense coordinator at AM, he was at Notre Dame. Uh, obviously, a little bit different there, but still a very big program with a microscope on it. Uh, so I think he understands these things. Uh, you know, I, I get some of the reticence, but it's not like, you know, he has never seen recruiting at this level before. I think all of the previous experience at AM, and now he's gone away to do to get a little head coaching experience as well, uh, will only make this hire more effective right like if he had gotten promoted from defensive coordinator straight to head coach i i would have more questions but we've seen that he can immediately come in and manage a program uh at duke and, and turn it around and, and i realize it's only two years but two straight years at duke with a winning record is is a bigger accomplishment than than people realize i think uh you know it, it's it's not an easy place to win especially when a lot of the uh best athletes in the state are getting pulled to to other schools because uh, you have a lot of, uh, you know, proximity to Georgia, places like that, uh, that, that are going to come in and, and, and pull recruits out of there. Uh, with that being said, like, yeah, going from managing a program of, of the nature of Duke to Texas A&M is going to be a step up. Again, knowing that he has experience already with the program and, and some of the, <laughs> let's say, uh, eccentric aspects of of being in college station uh i think that helps a lot and 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 he'll be a good fit there he gets the program and and you know i think he's going to be a guy that's willing to work with some of the the powers that be just he knows all the people the boosters that he's going to have to deal with i think all of that helps to have those touch points coming in right like we talked about it. This isn't really a rebuild. If you can keep the roster together, like there is a lot of talent already on the roster. And I think Elko is a guy that had the most touch points on this roster and in college station to maintain a level of, uh, program ability towards competing in the conference. Yeah. And you know, you talk about knowing the program and you talk about knowing the boosters and knowing how to navigate through the boosters and that kind of brings me to our next storyline because it seemed like Mike Elko may not have been Texas A&M's first choice. There were reports on Saturday night that Mark Stoops from Kentucky, who's done a great job at Kentucky, was going to be Texas A&M's new football coach. But something over the internet, over the Twitter, the X space, if you will, the message boards went completely berserk. And I have not seen something like this since Tennessee. It was leaked that Tennessee was going to hire Greg Schiano. And then in the morning, Mark Stoops said, I'm staying at Kentucky. Jay, do you believe there was water to Mark Stoops going to Texas A&M? And if that would have happened, what were what would your thoughts be if AM actually hired Mark Stoops? Yeah, from everybody that I've talked to, uh, that was very close to a done deal. I think Mark Stoops was coming, and then uh, you saw the online backlash and and the booster backlash, and uh, things just kind of changed in a hurry, uh, <laughs> as they are wont to do in, in in the world of college football. Uh, but yeah, I mean. I think we described this as a full-on Shianoing 
uh, is the best way to describe it. So here's my thing. I would have been fine with Mark Stoops as head coach. Uh, I preferred Elko uh, for some of the reasons that we talk about as far as uh, some continuity, some touch points within the program already. Uh, you know, he he's been around this class, been around some of these guys already. Uh, so that makes it a little bit easier to transition. Uh, you know, the other thing with Stoops is I think he's a little bit, he's been a head coach a little bit longer, a little more set in his ways. Uh, again, I, I would not have been as outraged as some of the people online were. And, and I don't fully understand the outrage because I think Mark Stoops is an excellent coach. And I think he, like his physical brand of football kind of fits what A&M should want to get to. Uh, because I don't know that the high flying offense is as much fun as it was to play in that style, uh, right with Johnny and those guys. I don't know if that suits A and M necessarily as a program identity. I think the physical style would would suit A and M well, uh, even if it's not as flashy and, and doesn't particularly recruit as well. I think you're still going to get high level recruits at a school like A and M. So I think Mark Stoops would have been successful. Uh, with that being said, I am happier with Elko than I would have been with Stoops. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was a done deal. I, I didn't mind the hire for AM, just like you said. I think uh, them having more of a physical style probably would have, um, I think, was a, would, be a, would have been a step in the right direction. I do have a theory. So here's my theory. I think Mark Stoops' agent may have seen backlash and may have seen, and I think AM themselves, maybe with th- through the boosters, saw some negativity surrounding the hire and i think maybe both parties may have said you know what maybe this isn't the best for either of us here and then they both backed out i I feel like it was definitely a deal where the hire was leaked to get a gauge on interest uh and it seemed like it was pretty much unanimous no from the online crowd but i also don't think that the online crowd ultimately influenced the decision i think there was some disconnect with the boosters behind the scenes yes that ultimately pulled the plug on the deal uh, and th- that's what I talk about with this kind of being a convoluted process. Like it, it just reeks of, 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 a, of a program that kind of lacks leadership at the top uh, where you have guys trying to pull stuff as quick as they can without, you know, answering to people. It's just, uh, it wasn't a good way about going about this. Cause I think they could have gotten Elko right away and, and it would have been done and this could have been finished. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have done their due diligence and, and checked with people and, and, measure it out but uh when you have a coach coming you need to have alignment behind him uh so trying to hire Stoops without that alignment behind him i think was was the biggest error in that whole situation not necessarily the hiring of him himself because again i think we both agree great coach uh but you have to make sure that you're aligned behind whoever you put in this position and and it seems like it's more aligned behind elko than it would have been behind stoops yeah and that Again, that online backlash kind of mirrored what you brought up of the boosters. Uh, there are probably boosters that were not happy with that. There are probably boosters that, you know, did not think that, um, you know, Mark Stoops would have been the right guy for the job. And then, you know, again, online, the online backlash ends up kind of mirroring that. But no, um, now I do have another theory. I do have another theory. Mark Stoops might eventually be the head coach of the Iowa Hawkeyes. 
Yeah, we've we've talked about the uh, the Hayden Fry connection there, yep. and and the Stoops brothers, and how much that program has meant to them. And uh, we've also talked about how Kentucky kind of feels like the Iowa of the SEC uh, in a lot of ways. But uh, yeah, it, it's he has a style that would be immediately suited to uh, Iowa and what Iowa wants to do as a program. My only thing is now with the 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 divisions going away. And in the Big Ten, I think that job at Iowa has gotten a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. No, it, and it, it's definitely going to be harder. But I think the thing is, and why Mark Stoops would want to leave Kentucky for Iowa, is because Iowa is a football school. They're good at other sports. They are a football school. Wrestling. <laughs> oh, well, wrestling. Yes, obviously wrestling, too. But Kentucky, they're a basketball through and through. Yeah, they are, and, and he's been vocal about that in the past too. Yes, if you go to Iowa, you're gonna that Kinnick's gonna sell out every day, as long as you put a decent, not even a good product, a decent product. You're going to have that full support of that fan base, um, and you're going to be at the forefront of everything. Where something that I, I don't think he would get at Kentucky. Listen, Iowa and Kentucky. I don't want to call it a lateral move. Because I think Iowa historically is just better than Kentucky. Um, I think right now, I think right now they're comparable, but I still give that edge to Iowa of being a better football destination. I know Kentucky's in the South. I know Kentucky's SEC, but you know Iowa um, makes just as much money with TV deals as Kentucky does, and they are historically better. They have better crowd support and they're the number one show in town. So I, I give Iowa, I do believe Mark Stoops would be taking a step up at Iowa. And it sounds like Kirk Ferentz is going to be done very, very soon. I feel like this might be Kirk's swan song coming up. Yeah, and it feels like he's just kind of reached that point where he's ready to move on, and and he's been there for a long time, and he's accomplished a lot. Uh, you know, obviously, like the offense isn't what what people want in this day and age, but man, there's something to be said for doing things your way and being as successful as Iowa has been. Uh, but it's just a changing landscape in, in in the Big Ten and 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 in college football in general, and you wonder how much he wants to deal with that changing landscape going forward. Uh, so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Kirk Ferentz decides to call it a day soon as well. He's made a lot of money up there in Iowa City, uh, coaching for the Hawkeyes, and and you know it's it's goes back to the analogy that we draw sometimes, right? Uh, with with the Dark Knight, uh, you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Yep. And uh, we're we're Kirk to leave now and and walk away into the sunset. He would definitely go out as the hero uh, in the eyes of a lot of Hawkeye fans. Oh, absolutely, he would. Um, we are going to move on. Um, we're going to stay in the Big Ten, though. Tom Allen fired at Indiana. He was thirty-three and forty-nine. He was eighteen and or he was eighteen, eighteen and forty-three. Where oh, eighteen and forty-three in conference. Sorry, misread my notes. Um, so yeah, only eighteen wins uh, in the conference. Uh, he has a twenty-one million dollar buyout as the old head coach of Indiana. Um, now his best year was the COVID year, went six and two, finished thirteenth in the country. Listen, here's the thing with Tom Allen. 
Do I think Tom? It, do I think it was time for Tom Allen to go at Indiana? Yes. They're going to go through a full rebuild or whatever type of build it it is at Indiana. They're losing a lot of veteran leadership. Um, Tom Allen was given this year to see if he can kind of get back into uh, bowl eligibility. Could not do it. So I think this is a very clean break. However, if you are Indiana's athletic department, you are now going to pay Tom Allen $21 million to not coach football at your school. For a new coach who's going to come in and immediately struggle. And the thing is, you're going to end up paying somebody to not coach when you're going to most likely get the same result if he was coaching. Um, so, again, I understand. I do think he should have been fired. I think this all comes back to them giving him a ridiculous deal based off of one year. And it was a great year, but it was also a COVID year. It was a shortened year. And, you know, Michael Penix was still short at the goal line, but that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> I knew that no, was coming in there at some point. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, Jay, what, what are your thoughts here? Yeah. I mean, it was just time to move on. I just, I just don't know where Indiana goes from here. I, I do think it was funny that there was some brief John Gruden to Indiana rumors uh, that were circulating on the internet, <laughs> which is wild in 2023. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, I, I feel like Indiana kind of had to move on and, and Tom Allen uh, is a guy that I, I respect a lot as a coach. Uh, he was a guy that recruited me out of high school and I think he's an extremely talented uh talented coach but that is a tough tough job there in indiana it's another school where basketball is probably valued a little bit more uh similar to kentucky uh but it's also i mean man you know the the big Ten's just getting more competitive now that you're adding usc and washington and oregon uh and i guess ucla too uh but it's it's just kind of one of those deals where it felt like it had to happen, but you still wonder like what the next step's going to be for this program because it, it's not an overly attractive job. Uh, with that being said, I, I do think if you get the right guy in there at Indiana and you can get to bowl eligibility consistently, that's a program that'll be happy with that. Uh, and we'll see like if, if there it's again, it's the changing landscape of, of college football and, and, and Tom Allen mentioned in his statement that, you know, it's, it's going to be an adjustment and he hopes that Indiana kind of makes that adjustment going forward. Uh, that's probably, uh, you know, going to be a little bit tough to get the uh, the buy-in from the boosters because it's it's not a place like uh, Iowa where you're drawing in crowds as long as you have a decent product out there. Uh, it's not a place where the fans show up as much, uh, at least for football games. So we'll, we'll see what happens uh, with the Hoosiers. Uh, it's kind of a program that, that I would like to see do well just because it's not somebody that you talk about often. But... Uh, yeah, tough situation up there in Indiana for sure. Get to bowl eligibility. That's all you have to do at Indiana. Six wins a year. They'll, they'll be happy with six wins a year. Um, moving on, Dave Aranda staying at Baylor. Staying at Baylor. He is, what, Jay, three years removed from winning that Big 12 championship? Uh, I believe it's 2021, it was right? 2021. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 2021. Tough. It's been three years, and and it has not looked good for Dave Aranda since then. Um, and here's the thing: 
three years removed from that Big 12 championship, you know, took, uh, I, I guess you could say, took the conference by storm. You know, um, you know, only had one. Dave Miranda first year had one win, then the second year you win in the 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 championship or the conference championship, and everyone's thinking, hey, this is what we signed up for. This is what we wanted. Now it looks like they're trending down, and you have to ask yourself, if you're Baylor, can Dave Aranda keep that magic? And and I don't know, Jay. What what do you think? Yeah, uh, I mean, this is kind of a last gasp for for Dave Aranda. I think we all know that 2024 he has to have a big improvement. Uh, so from what I'm hearing is. Dave Aranda is going to be essentially taking over play calling duties for the defensive side of the ball. And he's going to bring in an offensive guy to just run that offense. And uh, it's going to be basically a deal where you have an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator and, and Dave Aranda is the defense coordinator kind of serving as, as head coach too, but uh, he's not going to be sitting in on the offensive meetings as much. Uh, whoever they bring in offensively is going to be, and, and it sounds like they're looking for a, a pretty big name there on that side of the ball uh, to have full autonomy. So Aranda is going to get back to what he does best, which his bread and butter is, is being a defensive coach. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if this kind of approach works out if it, cause the defense has seen a drop off, uh, since that 2021 season where they, they had such a good year. Uh, you know, it, it's 2024 is a big one. Cause now Texas and OU are leaving the conference and, and you have a, a handful of teams coming in from the West uh, and, and you have a chance to really claim that top spot in the conference. So you, you want to have a big year. Uh, and I think that's why, you know, Baylor fans are a little bit reticent. Uh, I know there's probably some money buyout things as well, uh, but it, it's, it feels like 2024 is definitely a make or break year. Like if things go South in a hurry, I would not be surprised to see an end season firing in Waco. Yeah, um, since winning the Big 12, Dave Aranda is 9-16. and 16, And in conference, he is 6-12. and 12. Not good. Um, this is one of those moments in a program where this, like you said, make or break, I think this can also be detrimental if this was the wrong decision. Um, if Dave Aranda out... Um, overstays his welcome in Waco, then you're going to set Baylor back a little bit. And, you know, this is a program that never had a lot of success, started seeing a lot of success in the, uh, the later 2000s. And, you know, brand new stadium, everything. They are, though that fan base is enjoying being relevant in college football conversations. Yeah. And, if this is the wrong hire, or sorry, if this is um, something where you kept them for uh, a year too long, like you said, Jay, this is something that's going to be this. This might be an early firing next year if he does not right the ship, and they're gonna they're gonna be the first school on the market to try and, and find someone who's gonna help their program. Yeah. Yep. And uh, moving on from this one, I'm gonna roll these next two together, and I think you'll understand why here. Uh, UTEP fires Dana Dimel. Uh, Danny Gonzalez is out at UNM. Uh, I think the big motivation behind this one, honestly, is when you look at what's happening in Las Cruces with New Mexico State and the success that Jerry Kill is having. Uh, 
each of those programs considers New Mexico State as, as probably their biggest rival. And, uh, you know, seeing the Aggies get to 10 wins, I think, put a little pressure uh, in, in Albuquerque and, and El Paso both to make a move. We'll start with Dimel here uh, at UTEP. Obviously, only had the one winning season in 2021. Uh, and it, it's it feels like an approach that was kind of outdated. Uh, you know, he's a guy that came from Kansas State. Uh, had been around that program and, and kind of tried to take a similar philosophy to UTEP. And, you know, as as much as I would have liked to see it succeed, I think UTEP needs a little bit of a, a fresher approach uh, to the program there in El Paso. And, uh, you know, one thing I want to mention is that, yes, El Paso is in Texas, uh, but it's eight hours to, like, Dallas or Houston or the – Austin, like the big recruiting grounds in Texas are not close to UTEP. Uh, so that makes that a little bit difficult. Uh, it, it's it's an interesting job, tough place to coach. Uh, but, you know, obviously if Jerry Kill's proven that you can be successful in Las Cruces, you can definitely be successful in El Paso. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see who comes into that job next and and and, and what they uh, use as a method of attack there in, in, in El Paso. Yeah, uh, Daimel and Gonzalez, these are two guys that were on our hot seats um, to start the year. Um, just didn't work out. These are guys who have been there for a little bit, uh, especially Daimel, who's been the UTEP for forever, only had one winning season. And it's like you said, you know, New Mexico State kind of put the pressure on some of those Southern Mountain West teams to, hey, we got you guys got to get things done. Um, so. Again, it's never good when you see people firing. You know, we're not going to sit here and celebrate someone being fired, um, except maybe like Urban Meyer when he was Todd Graham, Jack, yeah, and Todd Graham. Um, however, <laughs> like some of these guys, they've been at their programs for a little bit, um, but it's one of those things. Hey, this is a business, and it was time to move on. Yep, uh, and with Danny Gonzalez, I mean, it's that may be even a more difficult job than the new tap in my opinion. I think the mountain West is a better conference. Uh, and obviously like you don't even have the Texas that you can pull on as far as, as what state you're in. Uh, Cause New Mexico is not a fertile recruiting ground by any means, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but it, it's, I mean, Albuquerque has its own charm too. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the land of enchantment. Uh, it's gotten to me in some arguments in the past. Uh, so that, that'll be another one where it's kind of interesting to see who takes that job uh, in Albuquerque going forward there. Yep. Um, next guy on the chopping block, Mr. Terry Bowden in Louisiana Monroe. Terry Bowden is out. Um, I don't, Jay, you see, I mean, this one was coming, right? Yeah. I mean, look, uh, it was kind of a weird hiring when it was announced. It's only his third season uh, there, uh, but he's been four and eight, four and eight, and two and ten. So, not a lot of improvement at Louisiana Monroe. Uh, and then again, this is another place where it's it is a tough job uh, because you have LSU, who's obviously going to pull the top recruits out of Louisiana. Uh, but I think generally the ULM is is thought of as like probably the the fourth or fifth and with Tulane doing well uh it's just that much more difficult because I think Louisiana Tech and and Louisiana Lafayette are both more highly thought of as well too Mm -hmm. at least among recruits recently uh so this is this is a tough job uh again uh but 
you know, it, it is Louisiana at least is a very, very talented state for college football prospects. Uh, so there are, are some benefits there. You're in the South. Uh, there's places that you can pull recruits from close to Texas, close to Mississippi, close to Alabama, a lot of places where you can get recruits. Uh, but it'll. this is another one where I'm just kind of interested to see what the approach is going to be. It's obviously like Terry Bowden's going to have a certain way of doing things. I have a feeling they'll want to go young and, and uh, you know, a little more, a little more of a fresh take on, on how to approach college football in this day and age. Is this the last time we're going to see Terry Bowden as a head coach in college football? <laughs> uh, never say die, right? Uh, for, for those that don't know the, the Terry Bowden experience, uh, his first head coaching job was at, at Salem uh, in the West Virginia Intercollegiate Athletic Conference back in 1983. Uh, then he moved on to Samford. Uh, then uh, probably most of you know the uh, the Auburn run in the 90s there. Uh, North Alabama in the uh, Gulf South Conference in Division Two, And then he was at Akron for a while. Uh, and, you know, end up Akron's not doing great. Uh, 2012 to 2018 was the years he was there. Uh, and finally, this Louisiana Monroe stop. You know, never say never, but I think, uh, I think old, old Terry Bowden may be deciding it, it's uh, – time to hang it up <laughs> yeah wasn't he at wasn't he at clemson for a little bit uh so this says that he was at clemson as a graduate assistant uh how what, in what was 2019 like, was i was just gonna say was he like, <laughs> like a 60 year old was he like a 60 year old grad assistant he would have been a 60 year old grad assistant you know what i'm also pairing that with tommy bowden yeah, Tommy, Tommy Bowden was actually the head coach at Clemson for a little bit right. there. Yes, because the, the, we used to get the Bowden Bowl every year yep. between him and... Tommy and Terry. Was, right, so wait, Terry, what is the lineage here? Tommy is... Tommy and Terry are both the sons of Bobby, I'm pretty sure. Okay, yes. And then t- Terry and Tommy are brothers. Terry and Tommy are brothers. Let me let me double check that just to make sure they're not like. There's so many Bowdens. They're 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 run, yeah. they you, Listen, Bowdens used to run rampant around college football. <laughs> like they were, they they were everywhere. Yep. Tommy and Terry are brothers. Uh, and you also have Jeff. Uh, Jeff. Jeff Bowden. Jeff, what did Jeff Bowden? Is this like Cooper Manning? Uh, Jeff Bowden. Uh, <laughs> I guess I guess he'd be the Cooper Manning. He was offensive coordinator <laughs> at Florida State for a little bit, uh, and then he coached at Akron for a little bit oh. there. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at the Wikipedia article, and one of the first lines I see is Jeff Bowden's choice as offensive coordinator was often criticized as nepotism. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, do, you don't say. You don't. You do, You don't say. Uh, it's not who you know; it's who you're. Wait a second, to. and then also Jeff was with <laughs> Jeff was with uh, Akron. I'm guessing when Terry was there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so and North uh, Alabama when Terry was there. So. Look at oh, the Bowdens. Man. Look at the Bowdens. All, uh, all, hey, listen, it, this is totally off topic, but looking at like their profiles on Wikipedia kind of made me think about this. Is there a state, and I know this is a soft subject for you, Jay, with the circumstances, but is there a state that's pound for pound better than West Virginia for producing college football coaches? Yeah, I was just thinking of that. Uh, Saban. Like, Saban. Like a, a bunch Saban, of the Bowden boys. Saban, Jimbo. Um, the Bowdens, I mean, that right there, that's, that's two guys and a family. Yeah. That's, <laughs> <laughs> and, 
and it's got multiple I, a lot of national champions. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, where's okay? Yeah, I think that's it. The, the for the West <laughs> Virginia connection. I want to say there's one more. Um, there's no way Rich. No, Rich Rod moved there. Did Rich? No, Rich Rod was born in West Virginia too. Well, there you go. There's another. Okay, I have one, I have one more that I want to look up because I'm not sure. I I think is was now. Hang on, we would really hit like the what's it called? Uh, I I, I almost said climax, but I don't think I want to use that word. No, um, no, I checked out Dabo for the holy trinity of co- for he, he's an Alabama coaches. Boy. No, he's an Alabama gold boy. All right. So anyway, West Virginia pound for pound might be the best state might be the best state for college coaches to come out of um rich rod jimbo nick saban and all those bowdens all right um speaking of west virginia uh see full circle uh dana holgerson is out at houston he gets 15 million not to coach football yeah he's gonna be out on the jet skis here shortly uh but uh I feel I have a feeling that he'll go wherever he'll he'll get hired somewhere as an offensive coordinator if oh he wants God. to go that route, without a doubt. Uh, this will be an interesting one too uh, to see who they get to replace him. Uh, some of the names that have been floated: uh, Jeff Trailer at UTSA. Uh, I have a sneaking suspicion that, given Houston's current state as a program financially, uh, I don't know that that Trailer is going to want to leave for that U of H job. I know it's Group of Five to Power Five, but I. I don't think the jobs are that much different there. Uh, Gary Patterson, who has made vocal uh, noise about wanting to get back as a head coach. Uh, I think that'd be a great fit, honestly. I, I think that's where you go. Yeah. And then Cliff Kingsbury is thrown out there, uh, which would definitely be an interesting choice. Uh, but I think you're getting – it's that same lineage, right? Like, if you're going from Holgo to, to Kingsbury, it's – you're not going to really change that much. I don't think uh, as far as what the program looks like. Uh, Patterson is the one that's most intriguing to me. Yeah, no. And I like the Gary Patterson. I think Gary Patterson's the right way to go. I really do. Um, great coach. Again, his down years at TCU, like weren't that bad. Um, so I, I do think Houston, if they want to do that, I think that'll fit with the identity of the, uh, of this new big 12. Um I think that would be a great move for them. Listen, and, and I've said this before. I think Dana Holgerson is one of the great characters and one of the better minds in college football. He is an offensive genius. I never thought he was a good head coach. Um, and I know West Virginia people who listen to this, uh, a lot of them romanticize Dana. Look back at Dana's record at West Virginia. Like, look back at it. Uh, yes, he went, he got to you know, nine and three, won the win, or sorry, went, 10 and three did not win the bowl game in 2016 in 2018. He had, he, his team was loaded, 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 and they went eight and four. I, I just don't, I just don't think Dana is as good of a coach or as a good of a program manager as some people believe. And I said that when he went to Houston. Now in Houston, four, he was there for five years. Granted, he did have that twelve and two year in twenty twenty one. They finished seventeenth in the country. That was a good year. Other than that, four and eight, three and five 
after uh, they uh, shared a or did they win the conference? They did. No, they won. Yes, they won the they won the division in 2021 in the American. And then he wins, goes back to eight and five, and now he's four and eight first year in the Big 12. Uh, and he would have been fired sooner if he didn't beat West Virginia on a Hail, Hail Mary. Yeah. That saved his job for a couple weeks. Yep, it sure did. Uh, but, man, it's I mean, it's just one of those deals where, again, Texas is always going to be a tough place to coach as far as getting talent if you're not at A&M or Texas. Uh, you have a whole bunch of schools at that same level, like Houston, TCU, Baylor, Texas Tech, uh, that are they're constantly going to be competing for talent. And I think with, like, Texas State and, and UTSA both performing better. Uh, North Texas looking to to make it an effect, and now SMU is joining a, a Power Five conference too. Mm-hmm. Like things are only going to get harder there. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if they get Gary Patterson, who's I think is a guy that can do better with less in general. Uh, might be a good hire there for Houston. You know, Jay, Dana's home state is going to be looking for an offensive coordinator. And what better program, if this head coach is going to stick around for one last ride, what better odd couple in college football than Kirk Ferentz and Dana Holgerson? What if Dana goes home to Iowa to be the Iowa Hawkeyes offensive coordinator Give me that and give me an HBO Hard Knocks uh, series on it because it will it would be content gold. Dana Holgers, could you imagine two guys from the same state, you know, group similar culture that are more opposites than Dana Holgers and Kirk Ferentz? Yeah, I I don't think there in the world could be uh, two guys more differential in their approach to, to football uh, than, than Helgo and, uh, and then Ference there. Uh, I mean, God, I would love to be a fly on the wall if that were to happen. Cause that would be, uh, that would be some incredible content. <laughs> I could, I, I, I can see it now. I could see it now. Um, Dana Holgerson, uh, you know, trying to take um, Kirk Ference out to the casino and Kirk Ferentz just like, I don't like to play any of these games. And then you have Dana Holgerson like, oh, well, come on, Kirk. We got to go play some blackjack. We got to get drinks. And, blah, 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 blah. and his hair's all going crazy like Bill Murray and Kingpin. Oh, my God. It'd be contact gold. Absolutely. Contact gold. Um, yeah. well, I don't know. Do you think, I mean, Holgerson, again, 15 million buyout. He can go uh, play the slots for about, you know, five years. In a, you know, literally every day for five years if he wanted to. Um, do you think he takes a break or do you think he's going to get picked up um, rather s- sooner rather than later? I think he likes coaching offenses and I think he'll be somewhere as an offensive coordinator pretty quickly. But I could be wrong. Who knows? Yeah. Um, all right. Let's get into some hires. Let's get into some. Oh, so good news. Let's. Or, I mean, it should be good news. Um, let's start off with the big one. Jonathan Smith leaving Oregon State. Going to Michigan State, um, Jay, I think this is a home run hire. I think Michigan State is going to go back to what it was in the 2000s. 
And they're going to be a smash mouth in your face. We're going to play tough defense. We're going to blitz you all the hell. And we're going to pound the rock. And that's what Jonathan Smith is going to do. He's bringing a lot. I mean, almost his entire crew from Oregon State. And I think this is... um, I think this is the best decision Michigan the Michigan State has done in a while. I mean, for an institution that makes a lot of very poor decisions, I think this is the best move they made in in years. Yeah, yeah, it's uh it feels like it's getting back to the Mark D'Antonio kind of style approach of uh, of college football and then that should work out pretty pretty dang good for Michigan State. I think it's a great fit. Obviously, we're both uh, fans of the Oregon State program, and, and this is kind of a bummer for them. Uh, you lose a guy who's leaving his alma mater to, to go somewhere. But, uh, you know, it's Michigan State's a great opportunity, and, and I don't think you can fault Jonathan Smith for taking this chance here. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a return to form for Michigan State, like you said. So uh, I think Sparty has to be pretty happy with this one. Yeah, and you want I think makes it worse for Oregon State fans is that Michigan State is just one step above you. Okay? Like they're they're a step above. That they're not on the level of a Ohio State, Michigan, you know, Georgia, Alabama, Florida State. Like the, Michigan State is not a blue blood. They are a step below a blue blood or a step below a fringe blue blood. And, you know, Oregon State, unfortunately, and we love our Beavers, and I I love the Beavers. I catch Beaver fever almost every year. But Oregon State is a C-tier program. They're a C-tier program in major college football. Michigan State is a B-tier program. And, you know, Jonathan Smith leaving his alma mater to take a little bit of a step up. But, no, I think this is absolutely home run higher for Sparty. Don't think they could have done much better. but, uh, you know, from one MSU to another, uh, this is a hire that Mississippi State seems to be excited about, but which I would have some reservations about if I was a Mississippi State fan because of some of the things that happened uh, while Jeff Levy was at OU. So is this <laughs> – okay, you're going to have to explain this a little bit because I feel like I missed something, and I'm just kind of trying to put pieces together. It. Is Lebby an Art Bryles disciple? He is married into the family. Oh, I think he is Art Bryles' son-in-law. Well, that's that's just wonderful. I, I can't see any problem with that, uh, <laughs> Jay. So uh, anyway, without getting too much into it, like what all what all went down in OU? Yeah. So really, what what the big crux of the issue where I think that OU is actually kind of glad to see Lebby leave is uh, from what I was told uh, Brent Venables and Castiglione uh, the AD at OU uh, basically said that we're not to have Art Bryles on the sideline and Mm. Art Bryles pops up on the sideline at an OU game Uh, and like you can't help who you marry I mean you can and you can't right but uh, it's a deal where obviously you don't really want that name associated with your program if you can help it. And there's already some stuff with, with Jeff Levy when he was at Baylor, uh, during everything that happened. Uh, it's, it's just not a, a great look. Uh, 
to have associated with your program. And I think that's why OU was kind of excited that Lebby is kind of taking the job to Mississippi State. And don't get me wrong. I mean, Lebby was obviously very productive at Oklahoma as an offensive coordinator. He was productive at Ole Miss under Lynn Kiffin when he was offensive coordinator there previously. Uh, so there's definitely some talent there. It's just, man, I, I just don't – I don't know how you justify bringing Art Bryles onto the field, uh, onto a college football field at this stage. And, and obviously OU was not – particularly happy with it at that time so uh interested to see you know how this works out at mississippi state and i'm, I'm very interested to see what that staff is going to look like mm-hmm. no same I, again this hires kind of wrapped in mystery i, I don't know how this is going to go is this going to be a train wreck is levy going to get the best out of mississippi state and get them to eight nine wins a year i have no idea i could not tell you um but it it's going to be fun to watch. I think that's one thing that we can all agree on that. This is going to be fun to watch. Um, so last of our headlines, uh, a little bit of happy news coming out of yesterday. Um, Delaware is expected to make the jump to FBS competition via the conference USA. I mean, conference USA. They are what their name is. They are all over the place. Yeah. Delaware making the jump. I'm happy for this. Good for Delaware. Um, again, it being in the Northeast region, they are an FCS um, main. They've been mainstay. they've been pretty pretty been consistently pretty in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I, big I, names. I, Joe Flacco uh, was, was Devlin, quarterback there. Pat yeah. Devlin was another one. Um, yeah, like yeah, Delaware always in the playoff. I don't want to call them a powerhouse because I think they've only, again. I'm going to say only. Uh, I think they won two national titles while they were. Uh, for the blue hens, but no, this is a team that always pops up on a lot of, uh, division ones, you know, their own cupcake weeks in the beginning of the year, but no Delaware making the jump to conference USA. I absolutely love it. I hope they renovate their stadium a little bit to kind of get up with the times, but the fighting blue hens entering FBS competition, very exciting news for football fans in the Northeast. Yeah. And, and the other thing too, is Delaware is a program that has a, large athletics budget uh so this like i think i saw the number somewhere that you know coming into conference usa they'll be at number two right behind liberty uh so they're a program that was kind of ready to make this jump uh to this level and and obviously uh conference usa good fit Uh, a lot of a lot of you like you said it's conference usa for a reason because they're spread all over the place from from new mexico to uh to now delaware uh, and, and several places in between. Uh, but it, it's it's going to be interesting to see uh, how the Blue Hens make that jump. And obviously we've seen teams have success uh, right away, uh, which we'll get into. But uh, yeah, so uh, Delaware, got to be excited if you're a Blue Hens fan. Oh, absolutely. But can, can I ask this other question? It, Conference USA has been around for, oh, I mean, Jay, like 30 years we're looking at, 20 years. It's been around for a while, okay? And they've always been all over the place. You know, the American Conference is the same thing. They're all over the place. And, again, when we're talking about realignment in college sports, everyone's making a big deal about, oh, these players from California have to travel, you know, might have to travel to Piscataway. Um, SMU is going to have to have, you know, they're hosting track meets because they're a a middle location. you know, how do you expect 
you know, these northern teams that travel to California. Okay. Have we ever questioned that with Conference USA or the American Conference? Maybe a little bit, but not it, uh, not on the not on the scale that that we have for the Big Ten and for the ACC. Right, and like I just feel like again, if you have it in your budget, then do it. Um, you know, if you can. But you know, Conference USA has been doing this for years, and and I know they do not. They do not have the budget. Those schools do not have the budget that the Big Ten schools have. Or it, it, they just don't. Um, or even the American teams, who we know don't have the money that the Big Ten and the SEC have. Um, again, SEC, I mean, Texas and Oklahoma, they, they are at least in the southern part of the country. It, it, it's not going to be that crazy. But look at the Big 12. West Virginia to Provo, um, down to Waco. That's a Big radius. Big Ten's going to have a big radius now from New Jersey all the way to Seattle, all the way to uh, L.A. Um, I feel like I'm sing- um, I'm reciting lyrics from a, a Lee Greenwood song. From the fields of Piscataway to the streets of L.A. That could have been better. Anyway, uh, my whole thing is, though, the Conference USA um, has been doing this for years, and it's going to get even more outrageous as more teams from FCS are like, you know what? We should make the jump too. Um, <laughs> yeah. Reading the former full members list uh, for, uh, for conference USA is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you just look at how many different schools have been a part of this conference at some point, literally the United States, it was literally yeah. the United States. Okay. Um, let's look into our week 13 recap week 13 known as rivalry week for most of us um, in the college football world. And we're going to start with one of the more heated rivalries, the Egg Bowl uh, and 17 to seven Ole Miss Mississippi state just could not finish drives. Ole Miss gets a dagger touchdown towards the end of the game. Jay, this one was absolutely sloppy. I made a comment that got a little bit of attraction from my Northern people um, that if this was Iowa, Minnesota, everyone would be on the X verse saying how bad this game was, but it's the Egg Bowl. It's, you know, it, there were scuffles and chippiness. Um, this game was everything the Egg Bowl could be. I wish Mississippi State could have at least gotten this to one score towards the end of the game. But old Ole Miss prevails in a defensive struggle, which isn't usually how Ole Miss wins football games. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been nice to see uh, Mississippi State pull off the upset. Uh, I love the, uh, the four-wheeler entrance right in starkville uh which is just it's so like attitude era wwe uh over the top that i, I was just a huge fan of it but yeah Ole Miss pulls it off i think if will rogers is healthy mississippi state wins that game uh you yeah. can tell will rogers isn't as at 100 percent, but uh and he's in the portal uh, now yeah he's in the portal so we'll see somebody's gonna get very uh very lucky with with him if they end up with will rogers so uh interesting to see where he lands uh but yeah it's uh sloppy like you said i mean me personally i love this type of game where it's it's kind of a little bit uh a little bit rock fighty uh which leads us into friday because oh, uh, we had the rock fight to end all rock fights between iowa and nebraska uh there was that one long touchdown which i was really disappointed with can't have can't be having explosive <laughs> have plays it. in this can't have it uh but man what it was look if somebody tells you that that last the fourth quarter wasn't exciting. That is a bold faced lie. I mean, 
everything about that fourth quarter was just glorious. I personally enjoyed the whole game, uh, but I get that you know this may not be everybody's cup of tea. Uh, Iowa with their, by the way, big fan of Deacon Hill, uh, the the two hundred sixty pound quarterback. Uh, love that. Love seeing that uh, peak athletic performance there. Uh, but man, Iowa on defense and special teams is just insane. Uh, but Nebraska's special team's pretty good too. Uh, I mean, listen, blocked field goals all around. Uh, and then there's two picks at the end of the game. Uh, Iowa throws a pick, and then Nebraska throws a pick. Iowa gets the ball right back. And uh, they make up for it with a field goal kicker kicking his first field goal of the year. The, the balls of Kirk Ferentz to do that. Just, Just incredible. Yep. Um, listen, if you loved the Egg Bowls night fight of 17-7, you're going to – you loved this one. Um, listen, Nebraska missed two field goals in that game. Listen, they make the one field goal. They're up 13-10. They're not even throwing the ball with two minutes to go. Yeah. They're not throwing it. They were a little aggressive, which I like. I like that there. You know, tied game. You ain't, you ain't playing for overtime. You're going for it. But well, you, you want to win and, and get to bowl eligibility as well. Exactly. Exactly. You, you, you're not playing for overtime. You're going at them and, you know, force to force the ball. Iowa, which you can't do against Iowa. And that's can I just say that's one of the things Iowa does so well. I don't want to say they lull you to sleep, but they make you hit the check down. They make you be very very one-dimensional on defense and then as soon as you want to take that chance that's when Iowa makes you pay and that's why Iowa that Iowa defense is so good because as soon as you think okay I'm going to take a shot here I'm going to take a chance that's when they make you pay and that's how they end up beating Nebraska um Iowa 10 and 2 very very close to being 11 and 1 like again uh, that whatever, if you thought it was good or bad or whatever against Minnesota, they are very, very close to being 11 and one right now. And just, and they did it by playing amazing defense and being amazing on special teams. Yep. Uh, I mean, theoretically, like if Iowa had not lost that game to Minnesota, would they be in the playoff contention with a win over Michigan? I think they have to be right. Yes, they would be. Wild, wild um, to think about that. I mean, they being they being contention. I mean, it depends. If you have people that are undefeated still, obviously they're going to keep them out. Um, I I do also think that a one loss Oregon is put in over a one loss Iowa. Um, Iowa would probably need some things to happen. They would yeah. definitely need some things to happen. But that's all hypothetical, being, anyway. All hypothetical. They would be in contention because, of course, Iowa also has a thirty-one nothing yeah. beat down by Penn State. Yeah. And speaking of Oregon, you mentioned them there. Uh, man, this team is good. This team is very, very good. Uh, and they dominated uh, Oregon State in, mm-hmm. in Eugene. The Ducks were at home. Uh, you, you wondered if Oregon State was going to come out a little bit fiery. Uh, obviously, it didn't help that rumors about the coaching change were released pregame. Uh, mm, never but good. Never good. But, uh, I mean, Oregon's playing fantastic complimentary football right now. Uh, and I think they're playing as good as, as any team in the country. They really are. I mean, let's look. After their loss to Washington, which was in Washington, very close loss, Washington, very, very good football team. Since then, 
Uh, 14 win over Washington State. 29-point win against Utah. Uh, oh, I can't even do math there. Uh, beat California by 50 – nope, 44. Beat you, California by – That's two, a lot of points. points. I had to do some math there. That's never good. <laughs> um, beat USC by nine, which, again, USC, really tough offense. Um, you know, smoke Arizona, and then, you know, you put a dominating performance for the platypus in the Civil War. Um Jay, unfortunately, is this the last time we're going to see Oregon, Oregon State? Because the Apple Cup, the Apple Cup has been renewed. Is the Civil War going to, you think, going to get the same treatment? Uh, I'm not very confident right now, but I hope I hope they fix that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Oregon's keeping the platypus. We'll see. You know, ho- hopefully cooler heads prevail and they make this work, but... Uh, it's tough. Hate seeing rivalries go away. Again, this is what part of what makes college football so special is is rivalries like Civil War and then the regionality of games where you're having two in-state schools compete against each other. Yep. Um, moving on to the American Conference. Tulane. This is a big-time matchup, Jay. Tulane beats UTSA 29-16. Listen, Green Wave kind of dominated that second half. Um, ran the ball very, very well with Hughes. Um and again, this I think Tulane is easily the best group of five team in the country. I, I really do. I think we're going to find out a little bit more when they play SMU uh, for the conference championship because I think SMU is a lot better than people think. Uh, but look, man, uh, turnovers also killed UTSA in this one. Uh, they had a few. Frank Harris throws some interceptions that were tipped, and, and his receivers had a chance to catch them. Uh, and then there were some fumbles when, when UTSA was driving. Uh that I think really kept the Roadrunners out of this one. Uh, I think this game would have been a little bit closer than it appeared had, had it not been for I mean, but that's the story of turnovers in general. Uh, with that being said, still a great year for the Roadrunners. Tulane is just a very, very good team. Uh, we'll stick with the group of five and uh, talk about a team that, you know, got off to a great start, but really struggled down the stretch in Air Force. Uh, Boise State ends up winning this game 27 19. And after firing their coach, Boise State is headed to the Mountain West Championship. And, well, I'll, I'll, I was going to say some, but I'm going to save that for later. But Boise State, after the firing of Andy Avalos, he gets $3 million, I want to say, as his buyout. Um, Boise State, great job running the football. This is a football team that's going to be grounded pound. They're, they're going to punch it right in the face. And listen, Air Force, they're, they're a bunch of tough cookies as well. But it, Air Force has really struggled. They've had four straight losses. Four straight losses. And again, they're, I, I think the big one was Hawaii, I want to say. The, yeah, they lost to Hawaii, which was a head scratcher. The rest of them, though, I mean, you could kind of see. But Boise State goes to the Mountain West Championship. They're going to face off against UNLV, who has been kind of the darlings of the West Coast. Um, so, Jay. The big question, is Boise State's little turnaround because they fired their coach and do you think this is going to be – do you think this is going to be a good move or a bad move long-term for the Boise State Broncos? Brother, I have no idea. I have read the tea leaves and I cannot get a good read situation on this at all. Uh, I I don't think they won because of the firing because I think – Boise State was still solid. They they fired their coach off of a win. Uh, it wasn't off of a loss when they got rid of Andy Avalos. So uh, 
whether it'll be a good or a bad move long term, I have no idea. All depends uh, who they get. All depends on who they get. So uh, it's, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> you know, Mister. Uh, I can't believe I'm going to say his name on here. It's like Voldemort. Uh, Mister. Mister. Coward made a comment about another coach, um, uh, or a few people in the SEC country. Cow turd. Um, he made a comment. If your company is running, if your company is running just as well when you're not there, then you've established a very good working culture. And again, I'm not saying that's the case with Andy Avalos. Uh, Someone saw something that led to this man's firing, but Boise State Broncos look pretty good. And yeah, he was fired, but it's still his guys. It's still his assistants. It's still his players that are fighting. I'm curious to see what some of those players are going to say if they win the Mountain West. Um, will they give props to Coach Avalos? Or will they kind of go in the opposite direction and not say anything and kind of hint, hint, we played better when he's gone? I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to read, read between the lines on that. But, like, Andy Avalos is a Boise State guy, too. Yeah. Like, I they just have don't to know have somebody in mind. They they have to be. You, you think Harrison comes home? Oh God! Why would they do that? I think that that would be stupid. The prodigal son almost never works. I mean, Shiano is kind of getting a, a you know doing is making Rutgers at least semi fun. Yeah. Um But I mean, I don't know, Jim. Uh, again, we're, we can't compare Boise State and Michigan. But hey, Jim Harbaugh. I mean, I guess sometimes it does, but I feel like it yeah. it doesn't work. But um, Kel- Kellen Moore's a name I've seen kicked around a bit too. Um, has, where's <laughs> he been? Oh yeah, he's been. Is he with the Cowboys still? Uh, he is the offensive coordinator with the LA Chargers. Really? He was with yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh yeah, he was hired at the beginning of this year. Mm-hmm. I'm oh, yo. That would make sense to me. I, I think it would. S- that would that they if they fired Avalos, they have to they they know Kellen Moore's coming or someone like that. That would make total that, that's the only way this firing makes sense to me. Yeah. The only and problem is with the NFL season uh being a little bit longer than college yeah, football, you're, you you're worry about wait, you're going to have to wait it out. Yeah. I um, will say though that I don't think Staley as head coach makes it through this year for the Chargers. So yeah, I wonder if maybe that's also something. Yeah. Could again, I don't know if this can happen, Jay, but if Staley's fired before the year's over, can Kellen Moore then say, Hey, I'm out. I think he can. He yeah. Can say, Hey, okay. Oh, okay. You're for firing him. Hey, I'm out. Maybe yeah, the, head a, coach the Chargers are four and seven after. And we, we, we don't do NFL talk here, but no. uh, as the, the world's only bears chargers fan, uh, <laughs> I've had a rough go of it, and uh, I, I would be very su- surprised if, if Staley makes it through this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think if they move early, that is a perfect time for Calamore to say, hey, you know what, this Boise State job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we've talked about how a lot of coaches, once they get to the NFL, don't want to go to college because there's so much to do with recruiting mm-hmm. and admin and red tape that you have to work through. Uh, but but Kellen Moore feels like a guy that is Boise State through and through, and and 
would make a lot of sense going back home uh, to the Broncos and the Smurf he, turf. He is Boise State. Yeah, like in a lot of ways. In, yeah. Um, all right, let's go to Saturday. Uh, the game, Michigan beats Ohio State for the third year in a row, 30-24. to 24. All right, so I thought this was pegged as an under. I thought, hey, this is 100% an under game. Of course, I am wrong. Like most of my betting this year, it's been a very rough year for me. Um, huge interception at the end of the game for McCord. Um, listen, here's the one thing about Michigan that I think is why they have been so successful the last three years. They have been taking advantage of almost every opportunity that's given to them. Every opportunity. You throw a pick, they're going to make it hurt. You make a you make a mistake on offense, they're going to take it thirty yards. Or sorry, um, they're sorry. If you make a mistake on defense, they're going to take it thirty yards. You make a mistake on offense, you're getting sacked. There's going to be an interception. They take advantage of field position. They punt the ball well. Michigan just does a great job of taking advantage of every opportunity and not leaving points on the on the board or off the board. They they are, do a great job of taking advantage of every opportunity they have. And that's what great teams do. Um, before I ask you, Jay, uh, of what you think about this game, can I just say when Michigan beat Ohio state in 2021, it was, it was an awesome moment in college football. You have field storm, you have Harbaugh on the field with, uh, you know, finally getting over that hump. You have, you know, uh, Ter- you know, ha- I almost called him Terrence Howard. Howard. Uh, you have uh, Jawan Howard on the field too, the basketball coach of Michigan. You know, talking to Jim Harbaugh. It was a great moment in college football. It was like, hey, the Big Ten isn't run by just one program. Michigan's back, and you know what? A part of me, a part of even though I I do not like Michigan at all, except for their cross country team. Uh, I've my cousin plays uh, cross for. Michigan cross country. Do you, so. do you play cross country? I don't run cross country. Yeah. Run cross. Country. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I, would, I would. Yeah. I would say run. Anyway, I got yeah, in the sport I've, of cross country. Anyway. So that, yeah. So go Michigan cross country. But other than that, I am not a Michigan fan at all, but it gave me a little bit of the college football fan of me was like, Hey, this is a really cool moment since then, especially this year, Michigan has become so unlikable. Just, extremely unlikable. Just extremely unlikable. And like, I was starting to come around on Jim Harbaugh earlier in the year. I was starting to say, you know what? Hey, I'm okay. You know, he he's a good coach, and you know uh, his his teams respect him. And yeah, he's weird and a kind of a dweeb, but okay. Like, I I get it. I get the appeal. But like, these fans are. It's like. It's like before 2021 never existed. Like, I understand that you are now at bragging rights. You have won three games against Ohio State. But Michigan fans have just completely forgotten that, like, Ohio State beat them, what, 16 or, like, 14 out of 15 years? Like, in a row. They beat them. I I believe they beat them 10 years in a row. And, and that is just forgotten. And I, and I said it when Michigan came to Penn State. That was the first time I've seen Michigan fans just like thinking they absolutely ran the place. Just the arrogance that soothes out of these people. 
it, it and it's like it's all recency bias. And and listen, talk now. And I I've said this before because it it's over after this year. It's over. This is your chance. This is your time. Enjoy it because it's over. But I just think the arrogance of the last listen. The last three years are have been amazing, but. Don't act like you've been dominating Ohio State since the dawn of time because you just have it. All right. Um, but yeah, just the arrogance of these people. And that has done something in me, Jay, that that I never thought was possible. It made me root for Ohio State. Like, do you under do you understand like the the loathe I have for the Buckeyes. Like, I hate them. I hate everything about them. I hate everything they represent in the college football world. And Michigan has made me root for these people. I, I just, it, it makes my skin crawl. Like, that I, I had to root for Ohio State because of these people. They need to be humbled. They will be humbled. <laughs> Their run is over. I'm not convinced that they will be humbled, but we'll see. No, maybe not this year. Next year, it's coming. Yeah, it's coming. It's over. The gravy chain's over. Jim Harbaugh's leaving. I, I believe he's gonna. Leave. I, he has to leave. Um, the NCAA is gonna, or the NCAA is gonna come down. They lose sixteen starters. Like uh, over. It's done. Um, <laughs> now uh, back to football. Uh, Jay, was this was this a playoff game essentially? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh yeah, and the the Wolverines, you know, executed. Uh, they took advantage of opportunities, like you said, and uh, you know the turnover for Kyle McCord very tough, very tough uh, to see. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is a very, very good Michigan team. I think they're going to be look. They're going to be one of the favorites. I think uh, when, when we get to the playoff, we'll see where they end up seated. But uh, this was a playoff game in my mind, uh, and and Michigan has secured a berth essentially. Uh, Provided they beat Iowa uh, and Indianapolis later this week. Uh, and even if they don't beat Iowa, I think they still may find themselves in the playoff. Uh, but we'll see what happens with that. Uh, but yeah, this was a playoff game. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on. Kentucky beats Louisville. Called that one. I yeah. got one. I got one right. Hey, we were both on that one. Yeah, I uh, I got my little plus two hundred twenty six money line. There we go. Uh, in there, thanks to thanks to the folks at Rhythm, uh, <laughs> with my model suggesting that I should bet on Kentucky. There we go. And uh, came through. Uh, came through for me. So uh, that was a good one. And uh, this was a fun game as well. Super fun game to watch. I again, I had a, I had to play this one back. Um, so again, this was a Sunday, this was a Sunday morning, uh, review for me for most part, just to kind of see some of the things here, but anyway, Kentucky gets the governor's cup and this was looking like Louisville in the third quarter. I think they got up to 10. I'm like, okay, I think Louisville's gonna like, this is going to be a loss for me, but Kentucky just kept themselves in it. And I feel like towards the end of the game, they finally got that stop and a score they've been looking for. Because every time they would score and tie it, Louisville, right down the field score. Every time they would get close, Louisville scores. Now I felt like right towards the end of that game, Kentucky got the stop and then got the score. And listen, I I don't believe Louisville is a top 10 team. I think they are in the high teens. 
you know, 17, 18. I think they're a good team. Jeff Brom should be in contention for coach of the year. He did a really great job. I just don't believe that they are a top 10 team. I think Kentucky kind of exposed that a little bit, especially in crunch time. Um, so, Jay, where would you rank Louisville? I probably have Louisville like 16. Yeah. I think 16 is, is a respectable spot that's for him. So pre- I, I think that's where they are in the AP right now. I'd have to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll no, see. I, I mean, I, I think that's, yeah. Yeah. That's understandable. Um, But anyway, Governor's Cup goes to Kentucky. Now, here's the other thing. And I don't want to get too off on a tangent. But Louisville might still play in a New Year's Six Bowl game. Yeah. I mean, if they beat Florida State, they would no. be the ACC championship. Uh, well, I'm just saying, like, even without beating oh, yes. Florida State. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, like, obviously, the ACC championship, they still have a chance there. Uh, I mean, uh, it'll be interesting to see just kind of how it shakes out. Uh, the I think the two that you look at, like, I think Penn State and Ole Miss uh, are both better than Louisville and, and deserve to be in a New Year's Six Bowl instead of Louisville, uh, particularly Penn State. But I, I think I do have to say now I have a little bit of Penn State bias myself. Uh, it, it, it catches you. It, yeah, you, I know. You, you I get know. a little bit. By the way, uh, the Aggies, though, I do have to bring up the uh, the basketball win at this point. <laughs> oh, yeah, you do. It. Hey, listen, A and M has a really good basketball. They got Penn. They got Penn State back for last year. For yeah. that. Although that, I will say that, like tournament wins, matter a lot more than very early regular season games. Though you wouldn't know it by the the A and M reaction. Oh online. man, yo, that A and M, I. I guess I shouldn't be that surprised because I guess Penn State fans, after winning a basketball tournament game, also went pretty crazy at AM people. So AM really returned the favor, um, even though like everyone's gone from that team last year. But no, AM is a really good basketball team. This is not a college basketball podcast. However, Jay gets some flowers there for winning this iteration <laughs> of of the, the the two Colts going against each other. The cultural but, exchange. T- cultural exchange. But um but yeah, A and M, A and M has a good. Hey, it's basketball season for you guys down there now. Yeah, it it's really is at this point. Yeah. Well, we have a bowl game, and now that we now that we know who our uh, coach is, though, I think more people are invested in the yeah. in the coach and the coaching staff coming mm-hmm. in than they are in basketball, even with how Absolutely. good A and M's been, unfortunately. Absolutely, but, but go out there support your basketball team. Yes. Uh, before we move on, just really quick, I will say, like the whole Louisville situation, um, you know, even if Florida State beats them. And Florida State makes the playoff. Playoff. Um, Louisville still goes to the Orange Bowl. And they might be ranked 15, 16, 17. And they're going to jump Oklahoma, Penn State, Ole Miss, Mizzou. Uh, yeah, you know, Miz- Mizzou is the other one that I think, like, Mizzou definitely deserves to be in a New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, like, there's there's four teams that Louisville is going to jump, and now one of those teams is going to be left out, or two of those teams, because the spot's going to go to Tulane. And, and this is what I think. If you are out of the top 12, your bowl tie-in does not matter. Again, after this year, it's I don't know what's going to happen to the rest of these bowl games. Yeah. Um, this, this might be This might be a one-time thing, but... If you're ranked 12th or lower, your bowl tie-in should not matter. It shouldn't matter. You shouldn't go. Um, and again, I don't want to rag on Louisville because, again, I think they have a good team. 
But I do think that if you win your conference and you're below 12, you should still go. That's but. that's a different story. Yes, that's a different story because you did something. You, it's like winning the in again. We're gonna bring up college basketball again, man. This 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 I think this winning is a the record. winning the tournament. It's like yeah, it's like winning your tournament. It's like hey, you were lower seed, but you won your tournament. You go to the NCAA tournament. Hey, you won the conference championship game. You know, hey, if if Iowa beats Michigan. Again, I think Rose Bowl's a game, but should Iowa should jump in there, you know? Um, so, I don't know. It's, again, it's just one of those things that I, I think I understand why it's done. You want to keep that prestige or whatever, but I think, hey, if you're in the out of the top 12, bowl tie-in should be thrown out the window. Um, all right, moving on. Georgia, Washington, Florida State all struggle in their rivalry games. Um, all kind of kind of the same. Um, I mean, Florida State really struggled early with Florida. Uh, again, they're going with a backup quarterback. Washington State and Washington uh, neck and neck the whole time, um, almost pulling off uh, the upset in the Apple Cup. And Georgia, Georgia Tech, I feel like Georgia was always in control of this game, even though Georgia Tech kept it close in good old-fashioned hate. Um, but here's the deal. Georgia still uh still a win. That game never felt in doubt. Washington State, man, they were so close to almost pulling off that ups in the Apple Cup. However, we're gonna get the Apple Cup for until 2028. So I I guess time, you know, they, they still have opportunities in the future. Um, Jay, thoughts on the Apple Cup renewal? Very glad that, that game's still sticking around, even though it's I mean I think it's Washington kind of reaching for some good press uh, in state. I think there's some some mo- motives there, uh, but I, but I am happy to see the rivalry stick around. Yeah, uh, rivalry week is is chaotic and fun for a reason, and all of these games that were closer than you think they would have been normally. That's uh, why we love watching college football at the end of the year, is because of this, the chaos that tends to happen. Uh, but yeah, glad the Apple Cup's sticking around. It's 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 a fun. It's a fun game. That's uh that's one that I want to go to at some point. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um and then last question I'll ask you, Jay, before we move on to some other fun games. Can Florida State win a playoff game with, without Jordan Travis? I think it depends on the opponent. Uh oh. I think this I think this team is better than than people want to give them credit for, even without Jordan Travis. Mm-hmm. Uh now I have I hold the right to to change that opinion after championship week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll I'll, sp- I'll put that out there, but I do think that that it's possible for Florida State to win a playoff game without Jordan Travis. It would be difficult, but very difficult. It's there, but the, there's still a lot of talent on that roster. Mm. Yeah. Um, moving on. Again, if we didn't have the Iron Bowl, we had Farmageddon was an absolute banger. This would have been, I mean, listen, Michigan State, Ohio State was awesome, but Iowa State, Kansas State, in the snow, Iowa State had five touchdowns, five of over 60 yards in the snow. That last touchdown they scored with a tie game was incredible. I thought it was out of bounds. He wasn't. It's everything you can want in a Midwest matchup. Farmageddon, man. Farmageddon delivers once again. Yeah. And the snow just makes everything better. 
Like, I don't know what it is about snow games, uh, but I just love watching football in the snow. It's just, it just seems so much fun. Uh, but yeah, I mean, impressive performance by Iowa. They go six and three in the Big 12. Uh, pretty good year. Obviously, they have the, the loss to Ohio earlier in the year is going to hang over them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, I mean, losing to Iowa isn't, I don't think, uh, I don't think he's going to, you know, rub anyone the wrong way, given what Iowa has done. But the loss to Ohio uh, is going to hang over them. Uh, otherwise, they'd be eight and four, and that'd be a that'd be a pretty dang good year uh, for the Cyclones. And that's, seven and five, still a good year. Yeah, uh, you know that Ohio <laughs> loss. And listen, here's the thing with Ohio. Ohio's a they're they're a they're a solid um, group of five team. Okay, like they're eight and four as well. Um, they made a run at the back champion or tried to make a run at the back championship and didn't get in. They lost their quarterback for a couple of weeks. Curtis work, who is absolutely incredible. Um, but you know, Iowa state, if they, if they would have won that game at Ohio, they would have been eight and four. And that seems to be the Matt Campbell experience, but seven and five was Matt Campbell ever on the hot seat. And if he was, is he still on it? Jay? Uh, man, I don't, I don't really see. Campbell as as being on the hot seat right now uh, but I, I do think he was to start the season just because I think it's it's one of those deals where maybe they thought things were getting a little stale uh, but now I mean with the way they finish in conference uh, I don't think you can be mad right like at one point this season Iowa State was two and three with losses to Iowa Ohio and Oklahoma uh Below 500, I think there were some rumblings getting started, and then Iowa State goes on a run, uh, and, and they finish the season strong. Uh, they gave Texas a pretty good fight, and then they, you win a, a rivalry game on the road at Kansas State to close out the year, and I, I think he's alleviated some of the pressure. Texas and OU both going to be out of the conference after this year, uh, and I think there's some more winnable games, right? Like Two of the losses this year for Iowa State were Oklahoma and Texas, mm-hmm. uh, at Oklahoma and then Texas at home, but uh look i think i think matt campbell's seat has cooled down a little bit i also think like iowa state's got to know in matt campbell they have a very 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 good coach and if you wade into the coaching pool and and you see what's going on around the country uh it makes you it, it probably makes you a little more reticent to uh to to get move on from matt campbell yeah no <sighs> The thing is, and I like to say this with a lot of coaches, what is Iowa State football? Uh, is your program better before or after you've gotten this coach? And Iowa State football has been better with Matt Campbell. Um, again, are they going to be able to take that next step? I have no idea. But the thing is, nothing on paper has told me that they should be better on paper. You know, the only thing you can bring up is, hey, this this team had Brock Purdy and Chuba Hubbard. and Or not Chuba Hubbard, sorry. Um, oh my God! What was the running? Brees Hall. Sorry. Yeah. Not I almost said David Brees. Montgomery. He was no. also an Iowa yes. State guy, but not at the same time. Not at the same time. Yeah. So again, you had, you had Brees Hall and you had um, Brock Purdy there at the same time, and, and you know he still only won eight games. So all I'm saying is Iowa State is at least contending. Or they're putting together good football teams. Um, yes, they're they're not where they want to be, but guess what? Uh, 98% of college football fans aren't where they want to be. So um, it's one of those things where if you get rid of Matt Campbell, it's a massive gamble for your program, and you might sink back into four, win, four wins, five wins every year. 
you're, you have a winning record every year with Matt Campbell, no matter what you got. So I don't know. It's, I don't know about the right, right decision is, but it's, it's definitely something to think about. Yeah. Um, Look, Iowa State uh, under Matt Campbell has been above 500 uh, for it looks like five of, or sorry, no, uh, six of eight years. And, and that's not something a lot of people can say at Iowa State. Uh, so I, I think that uh, if I'm looking at this Iowa team or this Iowa State team, uh, pre Matt Campbell, I think it's pretty clear that uh, that Matt Campbell has boosted the level of the program. Yeah, nope, I agree. I agree. And the last game we're going to talk about, uh, the one game that was just, I mean, instant classic. Alabama beats Auburn in the Iron Bowl, twenty-seven twenty-four. This game was Iron Iron Bowl Auburn. To a T. Iron, I, I don't know what happens to Auburn in some of these Iron Bowls because a lot of the times they have no business playing with Alabama. They have absolutely no business, but somehow it, somehow it works. I have no idea how, but somehow it works. They just lost to New Mexico State, which we all know, decent program right now, very decent program, but you're Auburn. You should not be losing to the Conference USA teams. All right? Jalen Milrow, fourth and goal from the 31. From the 31. And just stuns the crowd in Jordan Hare. He, so, two things. One, Auburn plays out of their mind against Alabama. I mean, it, they, that's just what they do no matter how bad they are. Two, why are you only sending three? I know hindsight's twenty twenty. They only rush two with a spy. Stupid. Two with a spy. I, I don't get it. Why spy? If Jalen Milrow runs, he has to run 31 yards. And you're going to have everybody in the end zone anyway. Yes. Why? I just. Why? Sense. At least Auburn covered. <laughs> they did cover. They did cover. They didn't Which, cover on that play, but they covered. No. <laughs> oh, salt on the wound there. Yeah. There you go. Dialing that up. Um, <laughs> listen, Alabama, they just keep doing this, man. That's just this is just who they are. They just keep they just keep doing this in those spots all the time. Um if Alabama beats Georgia, are they in? I think if they beat Georgia, they're in. Because it, it's just such a good win. I, I just don't know how you keep them out. Yeah. Because the only loss you have is Texas. It's early in the season, and I feel like Alabama's playing better football than they way than they were. Now it's a seven, you know, it's a seven, and the what Texas ranks six right now, six six or seven. So yeah, yeah. it's yeah you, you put Alabama in if they beat Georgia. Here's the other question, Jay: If Alabama beats Georgia, is Georgia out? I think so. I mean, it, it it'll depend on what happens in the other games. Mm-hmm. Uh. But I think if if Alabama beats Georgia, Georgia's out. Their resume is not that good. No, it's not. Alabama has a better resume than they do. So like one, Alabama gets in, and then Georgia. I mean, Michigan says okay. Well, Michigan has Ohio State and Penn State. You know, um, I just yeah. I, although 
I think Georgia is better than Washington, and I think they're better than and they're better than Florida State. So if you're gonna go there, you're gonna get two SEC teams in, which I hate that I'm even saying it, but it's it's what should it's what should happen. Um, but yeah, so that an hour and thirty minutes later is that is week thirteen. That is rivalry week, and Jay. Send us to the FCS a minute because it's a busy, busy week in the FCS. Playoffs have started. Yeah, uh, we're going to try to make this as quick as possible in the FCS minute. Uh, Mercer beat Gardner-Webb 17-7. They will play South Dakota State in the next round. Youngstown State with a dominant 40-7 win over Duquesne. Uh, They go from Pittsburgh to Philly, uh, debatably Philly. Depends on who you ask, because uh, they're playing Villanova, uh, number eight seed Villanova. Uh, then you have Sacramento State with a 42-35 win over North Dakota. Uh, we talk about the uh, the Big Sky and the Missouri Valley. Those two teams from those conferences, obviously, very strong. Sacramento State has South Dakota up next. Uh, South Dakota is the number three seed. North Dakota State crushes Drake 66-3. to They're rewarded with a trip to Bozeman. Uh, to play Montana State on the road. Montana State's the number six seed. Richmond beat NC Central 49-27. Uh, they'll be at 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 Albany next, uh, the Great Danes. And Go Great Danes. Go Great Danes. have that connection there. Uh, shout out to the Great Danes. Southern Illinois beats Nichols State 35 to nothing. They get a trip to the Kibbe Dome to play number four seeded Idaho. Uh, Chattanooga over Austin P. two Tennessee schools. Uh, Chattanooga wins that one 24 to 21. They'll get Furman next. Uh, the Paladins are the seven seed. Delaware with a very, very close victory, 26-24 over Lafayette. Uh, their reward is to go to Missoula uh, and play number two Montana. Uh, we talked about Delaware earlier. They're moving up to FBS ranks. Uh, this is going to be a tough game for the Blue Hens. Uh, I think Montana probably wins this one a lot, but uh, – yeah, make sure you stay tuned for the FCS playoffs. It's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, and that completes our FCS minute. We're on to championship week. Here we go. Championship week. Conference USA. CUSA. New Mexico State at Liberty. Liberty is an 11-point favorite. And God, I hate to even say this. Listen. Jerry killed New Mexico State. If you are listening. You gotta, you gotta beat these people. You have to. I, I can't take it anymore. You gotta beat Liberty. You can't let them get away with this. You can't. They can't let keep the, getting away with this. They, they, you can't let them get away with this. Unfortunately, though, I think Liberty crushes them. I think Liberty wins this game minus twelve. Uh, New Mexico State is playing some of the best football in Conference USA right now. They're coming off that win against Auburn. No let up. They beat Jacksonville State, who Jacksonville State, obviously ineligible for the postseason. Uh, we'll get a bull berth now because there weren't enough eligible teams. So happy for that. Uh, but New Mexico State wanted to leave no doubt that they deserve to be in the Conference USA Championship, and they done it. They beat Jacksonville State. Uh, I think they beat Liberty. I think they're playing great football Outright. right now. I'm taking New Mexico State money line. You're, you're betting with your heart, Jay. I am. You're They're wrong. my Aggies. I know. You're fellow Aggies. <laughs> You're fellow. Listen, I, I'm rooting for Jerry Kill in, in New Mexico State 100%. I'm, I'm fighting with you all the way. However, I think Liberty wins this game and they cover. And God, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, we're going to stay with Friday night. 
Pac-12 championship in Vegas. Oregon is a nine-point favorite against the Huskies in the rematch from Seattle. And I am on the Ducks. The Ducks have been, you want to talk about New Mexico State playing great football. Oregon is playing the best football in the country. That is a giant line. That line is absolutely huge versus a team you just lost to halfway through the year. I got the Ducks minus nine. The Ducks win convincingly and make a push for a possible playoff berth. Yeah, uh, the Ducks win. Uh, they cover, and Bonex wins the Heisman. Uh, so Whoa. that's 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 how I think things are going to go uh, for Oregon this weekend. I've been on the Washington and Michael Penix train all year, and I still love Washington. I love the Huskies. I want to go see a game there. But Oregon's playing the best football of anyone in the country right now, and I think Bonex with a big performance in championship week. Because remember, Jaden Daniels does not get the liberty of playing in a championship game. Uh, I think Bonex wins the Heisman this weekend. You know why he might win the Heisman? Because it's his year. He's having yeah, fun. Finally, he's in. He's had. He's had time to adjust to the new offense. He's feeling good. Uh, Magical. Bo action. Dark horse for the Heisman. Um, action. Action. Um, Miami of Ohio versus Toledo. This one's at Ford Field. Um, I love Daquan. Uh, De- Daquan Finn from Toledo. I he's an amazing quarterback, dynamic quarterback. Eight is a lot of points. Eight's a lot. I think Toledo wins this game. Miami of Ohio covers. Yes, yeah, I think eight, like that. Eight's a eight's, lot. Eight's a lot of points. Uh, plus, like these teams already played this year, and it was a, a four point game. Uh, so you know, you you take away the what is it? Uh, you get a point at home. Two points at home, three points at home. Either uh, way, but it's at four. Does that still count if it's at Ford? Well, I'm saying Miami lost by four, so oh, if you yeah. add three, it's still a seven point loss. Yes, ergo right. procto, whatever fucking yes. Latin word you want to use. Okay, uh, I think they covered the eight points. Okay, <laughs> love love it. Um, we're going to the Big Twelve. Oh, by the way, we we've been on Saturday now. This is Saturday time. Um. Big 12, Oklahoma State, not Oklahoma, not Oklahoma. Bedlam puts the pokes in this one. This game is at Jerry World. <clears throat> Hate it. Um, Texas is a 13.5-point favorite. Again, when you see it this large, you think this is like Texas is going to blow them out. I think I'm rolling with the pokes, man. I think Texas wins. I I want to see. I want to say Oklahoma State keeps this one, keeps this one close, closer than we think. I think Texas is in control though, but I like Oklahoma State to cover here. I just don't trust this Oklahoma State team whatsoever. Uh, I mean, they start off the year, you know, narrowly win at Arizona State, and then you get blown out by South Alabama, thirty-three to seven. Not not close. Against South Alabama. Uh, You beat Oklahoma to win Bedlam, like you talked about. Uh, You beat Oklahoma, and then you lose 45-3 to to Central Florida. Uh, They just won a double overtime game to keep OU from being in the the Big 12 championship. Against BYU. Uh, I I think that that Texas boat races the Pokes in in Arlington. I don't know. I just... 
It just seems like they've gone with the ups and downs all year. I know, I know. But feels I, like they'll be coming off a, of a, of a bit of an upper. I feel like they downer. got one more. They got. I feel like they got one more in them. <laughs> I feel like they got one more surprise in them. I don't know. I'm going to wait off. I, right now, I'm leaning Oklahoma State. We're going to see where we are. Um, to the Mountain West, the Mountain West, Boise State. Now, it's at uh, Alger. Allegiant? It's at Allegiant. But mm-hmm. is this is this a neutral site or is this UNLV no, this getting is a home, home game? Okay. Mountain West. So UNLV has the best record as far as overall. Mm-hmm. And so they get to host. This is a weird one, right? Because the computers determine this game. Because uh, UNLV lost to San Jose State. And so UNLV, Boise State, and San Jose State all had the same conference record. Uh, but the computers said that Boise State and UNLV play for the championship so uh that's a little bit interesting mm-hmm. and then UNLV gets to host UNLV plus three uh look they're still on the hunt for 10 wins uh for the first time since 1984 double digit wins so uh I know they just lost but I I kind of like UNLV mm. I don't I like Boise and I like Boise um was it Marion, UNLV's offensive coordinator? He's getting a lot of looks from a lot of different programs in his go-go offense. Rightfully so. To rightfully be so. Rightfully so. However, um, maybe a little distraction there in the offensive game. I like Boise State. Listen, that run game is going to travel, man. Run game's going to travel. Defense going to travel. I like the Broncos to win in UNLV. These guys have done it before. They've been there before. They know the big stage, what the big stage is like, or the big stage for the Mountain West is like. UNLV still a little new. I like Boise State in this one. And then we go to the American. Uh, SMU is ranked in the AP poll now. They come in at 25, so it's a ranked versus ranked matchup uh, for the American Championship. Uh, SMU dominated Navy, 59-14, not even close, uh, to, to secure their berth here. Uh, and then you have Tulane with the aforementioned win over UTSA that we talked about. Uh, SMU just extended Rhett Lashley, so mm-hmm. that's some news for you. Uh, as as we know, SMU is making the jump to Power Five football uh, with the ACC. I like SMU in this one. I just think that this is a very very good football team, uh, and 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 I think they're going to prove it on the road against Tulane. I think Tulane is just kind of due for a setback at some point. I hate it because I I really don't like SMU. I I, I don't like rooting for SMU. I, I I like Tulane a lot more personally, my green wave. However, I think SMU beats Tulane and SMU is going to be the representative in that um, in the New Year's Six, which I think makes them a great candidate for the Cotton Bowl. And then we have talked about the history. Which uh, I SMU. think, I think, yes, where SMU goes to the Cotton Bowl and they're either going to play Texas, Missouri, or Penn State in the Cotton. I think the Peach Bowl loves Penn State because Penn State's never played in the Peach Bowl before. So I think they love Penn State. I do, again, uh, I'm going to throw my Penn State two cents here. I think this is a good time. If Tulane wins, I think Tulane goes to the Peach Bowl and then plays Penn State. If SMU goes to the Cotton Bowl, I think there's a couple different teams they might want to play. They might go history with Penn State. They might go um, Missouri. 
um, or they might go Texas being the Texas connection in the cotton bowl. I think that might draw people there. Um, so I do think this, this, this game is going to have a big impact on the bowl games this upcoming year or yeah. in, uh, when the New Year's Six games start, but I, I think SMU wins this one. I really do. And I hate to say that because I love Tulane. Uh, from there, we move on to the Sun Belt, where maybe there's a team that's kind of flown under the radar, even though they're always very good in the Sun Belt, is mm-hmm. Troy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Trojans, obviously, they have a, uh, a 10-2 and record. They're 10 wins. Again. Again. And uh, maybe we're not giving them enough credit. Uh, theoretically, it would have been James yeah. Madison. Mm-hmm. If uh, it would have been a rematch of James Madison, if James Madison was allowed, but again, at least James Madison gets to go bowling because of not enough eligible teams. I think that's why they back off the lawsuit is because they knew that mm-hmm. there weren't going to be enough bowl eligible teams. So they didn't bother with it. Uh, and you know, they had a, they had an argument for the top group of five team if they had gone undefeated. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but James Madison, obviously backs off. Funnily enough though, James Madison uh, with, what they've done in the conference uh, kind of helps coastal or uh, helped Appalachian state get to the championship game uh, because by beating coastal Carolina, Appalachian state had the better conference record and app state will be playing at Troy. Uh, and this is a matchup. That's always fun, right? Like I feel like app state and Troy have met in the Sunbelt championship a few times. Oh yeah. Uh, and this, this will be a fun matchup again, physical football, uh, I think I like Troy here, though. I know it's six and a half is kind of a lot of points, but if they win by a touchdown, which I could see this being like a 28-21 game, uh, I like Troy in this one. I love Troy in this one, man. I love Troy. I think, again, they are quietly 10-2. and two. They are a team that, again, and, and we watch a lot of football, Jay. Like, we, we don't just watch the Power Fives. We watch, we watch Group of Five. We watch everybody. And Troy, even on our podcast, has not been getting the love they usually get. So I do love Troy in this game. Um, I think Troy wins and they cover as well. Yeah. And then we move on to staying in the South with the SEC, uh, Georgia and Alabama, Alabama's plus five in Atlanta. It feels, you know, like we've seen this matchup, I think number of years running, but it, man, it, it feels weird. This one feels like a weird one where, Obviously, Georgia's going to be favored going in. Man, I think this is going to be like an overtime game. I, I legitimately do. Mm-hmm. So uh, very interested to see how this plays out. Uh, I think I like the Bulldogs to win, but uh, I may take Bama to cover. Yeah. Um, Georgia. Georgia wins this game. Georgia wins. I think they're playing better right now. I think Alabama. Has, I don't want to say they've gotten lucky, but I, I, they've they haven't been taking. Alabama has been taking care of their opponents that they should have. So I think Georgia beats Alabama, um, and they go to the they go to the they they go to the playoff. Okay. Yeah. Uh, then finally, the ACC. Louisville and Florida State. Uh, Florida State is a three and a half point favorite. Uh, I think Louisville without Jordan or Florida State without Jordan Travis suffers a setback here, takes him out of playoff contention. Uh, I like Louisville to pull the upset. Uh, they've done this all year, beat teams that they shouldn't and lose the teams that they should beat. 
Uh, this feels like another example. I think the Cardinals. <coughs> oh, bless Pull you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you got Louisville. Got a little sneeze in there. Yeah, uh, I have Louisville outright. Florida State takes care of business with their backup quarterback. Florida State. Oh, man. Ooh. Uh, hang on. Three and a half coming off the loss to Kentucky. Florida this State. just feels like an upset. No. Uh, Florida State still wins. Now, here's the thing. If Louisville beats Florida State, Florida State's out, then Louisville goes to the Orange Bowl. Florida State then also goes to New Year's Six. Penn State's going to so. Penn State's going to end up in the Citrus Bowl, aren't they? It's going to happen. Uh, They're going to get screwed out of a New Year's Six Bowl with all this. It, it's it's look, not look. It's I'm not, look I'm not going to tell you it's not a possibility. Uh, also, the weather forecast Saturday in Charlotte uh, Outdoor Stadium, fifty eight percent chance of rain right now. So it's just something to keep an eye on. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know who who that'll help. Uh, probably Louisville. Yeah, that's what probably I'm thinking Louisville, there. Yeah. Uh, I think Florida State outright. Florida State Iowa, outright. Michigan. Michigan is a 23-point favorite uh, in Indianapolis. Uh, this may be the one game that I I don't I haven't looked at the over under yet, but I'm afraid that Iowa or that that Michigan may cover it or hit the by, over on their own by the, by themselves. Let's yeah. do a quick research. I'll just tell you here. I, I think Michigan's going to kill them. I'm sorry. Iowa fans, Jeff, I know you're listening right now. Uh, I'm really sorry. Um, I, We're I just, rooting for you. Yeah. We are rooting for you. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I just have this pot. I, I just think Iowa. I just. what's This is how this is what's going to happen. And what did I say before? Iowa makes you uh, make mistakes. Okay. They, as soon as you make a mistake, Iowa is going to pounce on you. Um. However, I just don't think that – I don't think – 35, Michigan, by the way. Ew. 35 is the over. I think I like the over. Yeah. I think I like I the too. over there uh, because even <laughs> if that game gets out of hand, I think Iowa's offense will score at the, you know, score at the end because Michigan's not going to want to get anybody. I think 35-7 is probably a likely score. 35-7 is a very likely score. 35-7 or 35-3. Like the over. Um, so, no, I, I'm sorry. I just – Iowa's defense is going to get run down in this f- football game. They're going to get run down. And here's the other thing. If Michigan scores quick, like if Michigan's offense marches down the field and and it's, you know, 10 nothing, 14 nothing out the gate, this one might get ugly fast because if Iowa does not have an answer on defense, we and this is the this is again, we talk very highly of Iowa a lot. But this is the problem with Iowa is that if they get down early, it's over. Um and especially against a Michigan defense, that is relentless. I'm telling you, this is the best Michigan team I've ever seen, maybe in my life, since maybe the 97 team. This is the best Michigan team I've ever seen. So I I think Michigan wins this one. I like the over 35 and a half, too. And I, I want to keep an eye on that. I don't know, I, I don't know what people are going to be betting on that game. Um, I'm going to be watching that line, though, because I, I think uh, Michigan, Michigan over, because I think Michigan might cover it themselves. Remember, Penn State, I know it was in Happy Valley. Penn State scored 31 on Iowa. And Michigan has shown they are a better team than Penn State is. So, food for thought there. Um, So, Jay, this is the last thing we're going to talk about. 
when well let's uh oh. can i can i answer yeah. something uh before we do what what you have written there yeah who do you have one in the heisman oh um <clears throat> who do you have you go first <sighs> You were hoping I would go first. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was. I was. Uh, listen, I think you can make a very good argument for two guys and uh-huh. a decent argument for a third. Uh, I think Bo Nix and Jane Daniels both have a good claim on the award. Uh, and I think Michael Penix Jr. also uh, could get some mention there. I just think it's going to be between Nix and 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 Daniels. Uh I'm I'm leaning towards Bo Nix, especially with uh, the possibility of him getting a Heisman type performance uh, against Washington in the Pac-12 championship. So, do you know who I think is the best player in the country at their position like, by far? And I don't think it's even close. Marvin Harrison. Jr. Mar- Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. I think Mar- Mar- I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best player. That has, I think, carried an Ohio State offense the majority of the year. If I had a vote, I would vote Marvin Harrison, and this is why. Michael Penix, the last couple of weeks, has kind of fell off a little bit. Uh, hasn't done bad, but fell off a little bit. Um, Bo Nix has been looking better and better. Um, the I think Jaden Daniels is so dynamic, and I love him, and, and I think he's just a fantastic player. However, a lot of his stats are inflated against non-power fives where he's still in the third quarter and fourth quarter slinging the rock. Um, And I think he's dynamic. I think he's amazing. I just think that his stats are a little bit inflated. Um, If I had to rank them, I would have, I would vote Marvin Harrison, Jaden Daniels, Man, Bo Nix and then Michael Penix fourth. Oh, I will say this. At least we have like a good Heisman race. Yeah. Like we have an excellent Heisman race. Um, If I had a vote, I'd say Marvin Harrison Jr. They're not going to do that, though. They're going to go. No, they're going to go Bo Nix or Jaden Daniels. I think I think it's going to be one of those two. And I, I agree with you that Marvin Harrison Jr. deserves to. Uh, he, he would definitely get. A piece of my vote. I don't know. I still might go Bo Nix, uh, just for the meme. But uh, here's also the problem: you're gonna have Penix and Bo Nix, two West Coast guys. They're gonna split all the West Coast votes. Okay. Well, I think I think it may be galvanized after this weekend. Is part of what oh, I'm right. okay. thinking. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Whoever wins that game or whoever looks better in that game is gonna win. Is is yeah. going to knock off the other one? No, definitely. Um, now, I, if I had a vote, I'd vote Marvin Harrison Jr. I know that's not a popular opinion, but also Heisman voters wait until championship are yeah. over before before making your vote. Please, absolutely, please. Yeah. They won't. Uh, all right. Uh, well, let's move on to what you actually had on there. Sorry for, for putting you on the spot with the with the Heisman talk, but I Wasn't figured we prepared. needed to. Was I didn't yeah, study? I know. Yeah. I know. Uh, it's playoff time. I mean, the that's going to be decided after this. So, uh, who, who's going to be your top four on Sunday? So, Selection Sunday. So, number one, Michigan. Number two, Georgia. Number three, Oregon, because they're going to beat Washington. Of course, if Washington wins, they'll be in there, but I'm predicted Oregon to win and win big. And then 
I think you got to put that final undefeated team in Florida State in there. So if Florida State beats Louisville, Florida State's in. Yeah. Uh, so I have Michigan uh, at one as well. I have Georgia at two as well, and I have Oregon at three as well. Uh-huh. Uh, so we're we're in agreement through there. Uh, the difference comes in with the game that we talked about. I think Louisville beats Florida State without Jordan Travis. Uh, so I am slotting Texas in there uh, because even though in the AP poll, Ohio State is ranked over Texas at the moment, Texas, I think with a win over Alabama and a Big 12 championship, Deserves to be in the playoff four over Ohio State, who's ranked ahead of them. Yes. Uh, do, do you disagree with me there? No. No, I don't. Okay. If, uh, if Louisville beats Florida State, Texas deserves that fourth spot. Um, sorry, Ohio State. If provided Texas wins, of course. Oh, yes. Texas also has to win. Okay. Texas also has to win. But, uh, no, I, I think Texas, Texas goes in. Yes. I think Texas goes in. I think that's the right call. Uh, they have a win over Alabama. If if Texas does not go in, all right, and they take Ohio State, which, again, Ohio State also played Notre Dame, but it proves that out-of-conference schedules don't matter. Yeah. That you don't need that, that don't, that you do not have to schedule a top-tier non-conference game because it literally does not matter. And Florida State, I mean, I know they have to play Florida, but you know, um, Texas beating Alabama gets Texas in. If they – and the other thing is if Alabama beats Georgia and Texas is out, oh, baby, that's going to that's gonna get sticky. It's going to get very, very sticky. But, no, I, I think if Florida State loses to Louisville, uh, Texas 100% deserves to go in. Granted, they win. All right. Hey. We, we got in under two hours for all that we had to talk about. <laughs> listen, listen, I, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. All right. This for, yes, this is, we're closing in on two hours here for, but the amount of information that you all just received. All right. That is legitimately three days worth of podcasting. All right. And we bang this one out in for you guys with under two hours. So, Letting you know, pound for pound, the most bang for your buck podcast out there, the the most information, banter, and predictions, picks that you are going to get in a one-stop shop of the college football world. I, I don't see anyone out there that's better than Jay and I. But Jay, you got anything to leave the people with? You know what I'm going to say. Hit us with your likes. Hit us with your subscribes. Hit us with your five-star ratings. We need all that to keep on growing the podcast. I don't know what this accent is I just took on, but I'm ready for some college football championship week action. You started off at Conor McGregor, and then you went down to, like, southern Louisiana. In that, Yeah, I, I don't know what's going on there. That, <laughs> Listen, was, that was a choice. Like, like, subscribe, leave a comment, tell a friend. Uh College football season is uh, ending very, very soon. Cherish all these moments. Cherish the games because very soon, in a little over a month, they're all going to be gone. Cherish the moments. We'll see you all next week. Guys, championship week. Enjoy it. Have a good one.